Exclusive Books Homebrew is a celebration of the diversity that is local writing, covering fresh perspectives on history, sharing never-told-before personal stories, challenging established views, and excavating the trough of political policy. Exclusive Books Homebrew. Not the same old story. Today's episode of Homebrew is presented by advocacy journalist and poet Lerato Sibanda. Today's guest is Elizabeth Inyamayaro, author of the inspiring memoir, I Am a Girl from Africa. Elizabeth's memoir is a love letter to Africa that chronicles her journey into womanhood and becoming an award-winning humanitarian. Like a modern-day odyssey, Elizabeth transports us from Goromonzi in rural Zimbabwe to a slum in Epworth, a youth hostel in London, through the dense woods of Uganda, and ultimately to a high-rise office in New York. I Am a Girl from Africa is an extraordinary story that shows how Elizabeth became a Moana Wevu, or child of the soil, who to this day asks far too many questions. Today, Elizabeth won't be asking any of these questions. She'll simply be answering them. Welcome to the Homebrew Podcast, Elizabeth. Please read us an excerpt from your wonderful, wonderful book. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to read a short excerpt of the moment when I find out what it means to be a child of the African soil. I'm in my small village in a small hut with my gogo who was raising me. And just prior to that, I had found out that I was someone special. And this is the moment when I actually understand what it means, the special word called Manawevo. Gogo sits in silence, letting me empty out my pain. Finally, she says, Mwana Wevu means you're a child of the African soil. Her voice is passionate and kind, and I listen carefully because I know when she speaks gently and softly that she's telling me something important. We are all Mwanawevu because each of us is like a single grain of sand connected to our land and to each other. Gogo reaches for my hand, looks into my eyes and says, You, my dear child, you are special. We all are. This is who we are as Africans. We are all children of the soil. Never forget that. Never forget. I wipe my face and take in Gogo's words. Gradually, my confusion and anger subside. I begin to understand that being Mwanawevu makes me special because it connects me to my land and to my community deeply and forever. Our connection is rooted in the rich African soil from which we grow our food, where we live our lives, and where our bodies rest 
when our souls are called back to the Heavenly Father. I understand that I'm not a scene and I'm still special, just in a different way. What makes me special is what makes all of us special. I am part of my community, connected to everyone I know and love. And I belong here in this place with all of Gogo's relatives and all the other African people whom I've not yet and may never meet. To be Mwanawevu, I finally understand, is to be African. Elizabeth, that is so, so beautiful. That's amazing. You've had a long, illustrious career working for the UN and its various entities. How were you able to pick and choose which moments to include and which to exclude for this book? That's actually a really good question. The biggest thing for me that I wanted this book to capture is that this is a story about community and communities. It's a story about my own African community from my small village in Goromonzi to my you know, community in Epworth and all the other communities that I've lived as part of throughout my life and how they've uplifted me along the way. So this was really important for me to show that, you know, as we say in our African cultures, a person is a person through other persons. And so that was the first thing. And then the second motivation for me was to make this book about communities, to celebrate the often hidden and invisible communities that we often other, that we often seen as lesser than, that we don't often give them due credit as the heroes of their own stories. So the book was also about, you know, what to choose and include was very much based on wanting to celebrate the often invisible communities. I wanted people to see that they're the protagonists of their own stories, that they are uplifting their own communities. So this was a really important focus for me to show the world what these communities are doing for themselves, that they're their own heroes in their own lives. You now open every chapter with an African proverb from different parts of the continent. This is quite unorthodox. What inspired (laughs) this creative move? Well, I mean... There is a lot of responsibility that I felt in naming this book, I'm a girl from Africa, right? Because Africa isn't a country. It's a diverse continent of 55 countries, 1.2 billion people speaking more than 2,000 languages. And so I wanted to make sure that if I was going to name this book, I'm a girl from Africa, that I would at least pay homage and really pay respect to the diversity of our continent. And so, you know, selecting different proverbs from different African countries was key to that. That's amazing. Now, one of the gripping moments in your book that really touched me was when you were collapsed nearby the good forest at a tree and you were virtually between life and death. And then a girl in a blue shirt came and handed you a bowl of porridge. When you were writing about this moment, can you recall the day and what emotion you were feeling then? Absolutely. 
this was the first chapter that I wrote of the book and it pretty much set the tone for the style of the book because I didn't think that I was going to write this book in present tense. But as I started to reflect on that particular moment, it was so visceral to me that I knew writing it in past tense would not do justice to the moment. I wanted people to feel what I felt. I wanted them to smell what I smelled. I wanted them to, you know, to experience what I was experiencing and see what I was seeing. And so that's why it ended up being in present tense because yes, it's as visceral as it was, you know, all those years back when I was eight years old. And the thing that I was feeling at that moment was just a moment of utter despair because what was remarkable prior to this moment is just how my life was absolutely rich and beautiful. You know, I lived as part of a small community. We took care of each other. We grew in abundance of food. We never wanted for anything. But Mm -hmm. then a drought came and left us with nothing to eat or drink. And so, yeah, it was such a you know, just a, just a moment of, of just utter despair. When you were a kid in Goromonzi, you were quite adept at chasing goats <laughs> <laughs> and wrangling them in. So yes. tell me, when was the last time you had a chance to chase a stubborn goat? <laughs> Actually, not that far ago, about maybe two and a half years when I was back home. So I go back home every single year, you know, even though my gogo is no longer there, but my the rest of my family is there. So I go back home and like a true African child, you know, you never actually outgrow your chores in the village. And so exactly. I, am still, I am still in charge of the goats. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing yeah. to know. When you arrived in London in 2000 as a young woman, You only had 250 pounds in your pocket and Mm -hmm. no job. I couldn't help wondering what snack were you able to buy with that amount to make sure that it lost you until the end of the month? What? No, it was a it was a really interesting time for me because. I literally left everything that I know and love behind on my African continent and decided Mm -hmm. to move to London to pursue my dream, right, of becoming a humanitarian, working for the United Nations. And I didn't know anyone in London, no friends, no family. I had 250 pounds to my name. And of course, like with most cases, when you're chasing a dream that's bigger than yourself, everything that can go wrong literally goes wrong when I arrive in London. I then find out, first and foremost, that the UN doesn't have an office in London. Then I also run out of money. I'm staying in this youth hostel. I almost become homeless. But it was very tough. But I think one of the biggest things that helped me to survive was because of the way that I'd been raised, you know, I knew how to survive on very little because when you live through a drought, uh, which happened to me twice as a child, you learn how to, you know, make your dollar stretch as far as it can. And so I survived a loss on bread and peanut butter until I was able to find my my fit in London. Okay, so bread and peanut butter was your staple for quite a while. We have a question from Pilka Lalu from our Facebook page. And Pilka wants to know, How did your experience of drought and hunger in the early ages of your life growing up in Zimbabwe impact you and the trajectory of your life and where you find yourself now? I am so grateful that I lived through that moment. You know, what I've learned in life is that sometimes when you're going through a hardship, 
it can feel like it's the end of the world. But, you know, as a person of faith, because I was raised by my go-go in a very spiritual way, I also know that sometimes those moments are setting you up for something bigger. They are training you for something, for a miracle that you still don't yet know. And so because I was able to live through that and survive that, it's also, I think, made me into a more compassionate person. You know, it made me, those experiences are, the, are part of the, the moments that inspired me to become a humanitarian. I remember yes. being, as you said, saved by the girl in the blue uniform, who, by the way, was a fellow African. You know, a fellow African saved my life. And she had decided to, you know, to give back to her own community, became a humanitarian, and that ball of porridge was literally the definition between life and death for me. But because I lived through that, and I remember thinking, I want to be just like her, right? And so I'm, I'm grateful that I lived through that. And of course, now, because of that experience and going back to writing the book, it reminded me just how important it is for me to figure out a way to make sure that no child or family ever has to die from hunger, you know, because hunger is still the leading cause of death in our world. And yes. a child dies every five seconds. And so this has informed my current role, a special advisor for the United Nations World Food Program. That's amazing and quite inspirational as well. So for budding writers out there, other Black girls from this wonderful continent, Africa, what would you advise them in terms of becoming published writers themselves? I mean, first of all, I would highly encourage them to tell their own stories. You know, the title of my book is also a proclamation of who we are as Africans, right? There's a a pride in saying, I am not just, but I am a girl from Africa, right? And there's something Mm -hmm. to be very proud of that. And sometimes, you know, having lived on the other side of the world, people don't often recognize that, you know, that being African is to be truly blessed. But my book is also called I'm a girl from Africa, not the girl, because I know that (laughs) that's really important because my story is one of millions. And so I also intentionally wrote this book with this title so that hopefully it inspires other young girls from our beloved African continent and also boys, right, to own their own stories, to tell their own stories, because we have to be represented in the stories that we read. And we all have a responsibility to make sure that, you know, the next generation is able to be inspired by people who look like us. So, so that's my biggest recommendation. Just start writing. You know, there's no magic to it. Just start writing. And you should always remember that your story is worthy of telling. Oh, here, here, sister. That is lovely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Elizabeth's hope-filled memoir will remind you of the importance of honoring your elders, commemorating your heritage, and recognizing the door of opportunity when it flings wide open. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Homebrew. Do you have a question you'd like to ask our homebrew authors? Send us your question and you could win a 200 Rand exclusive books voucher if yours gets chosen. 
WhatsApp a voice note to 079-664-0465. That's 079-664-0465. Or email social media at exclusivebooks.co.za. To find out who our upcoming authors are, just follow Exclusive Books on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This homebrew podcast was produced by Jonathan Anser, Dan Dews, and Lerato Sebanda for Exclusive Books. Books available in-store and online at exclusivebooks.co.za. Homebrew, not the same old story.